If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to uh, open uh, your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter number 17. The book of Acts chapter number 17. We are starting a new series uh, entitled Upset the World. Uh, that was an incredible, um, cool graphic that came up. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is a burden that's been on my heart uh, since sometime last year. How many people were here during the Here series, when I did the series Here? Okay, how many people were here when I taught the message Upset the World? Okay, so uh, it, it was, it was a, a really shifting moment for us as a church to hear this message, because I believe that when the Lord gave it to me, he was really giving us uh, the mandate of uh, this church, and I believe every church, that our assignment is to literally upset the world. Uh, by a proper definition of upset, not to go out and make people mad, although uh, if you live your life as a believer, someone's bound to be upset uh, uh, in that way. But, but we're talking about living a life that is overturned, living a life that has literally been turned upside down uh, by the power, the presence, the love of Jesus Christ. And so over the next four weeks, I'm actually going to be talking and taking my time uh, to break down uh, uh, this, this mandate that God has given us in a way that I hope uh, will ignite you all to live your life as upsetters, to live your life as people uh, who do what Jesus did, and that is to upset the world. So uh, Acts chapter number 17, starting at the first verse, it says this, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, which uh, where there, were, there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded to join Paul and Silas, along with many Greek, I'm sorry, God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. They shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released him. Look at verse number six. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. Now, if you read King James or you read New King James or you read ESV, uh, it, it says have turned the world upside down. But this word uh, in the Greek literally means to upset, which King James has it much better in uh, NLT in this, in this standpoint. Uh, instead of trouble, it should be upside down or upset. 
And now they are here disturbing our city too. So this first weekend, I, I want to teach from the subject, why be upset? Why even be upset? Okay, you're giving us a mandate to upset the world, but why should I even be upset? That's what we want to talk about today. So bow your heads, let's pray, shall you? Shall, shall we? Shall you? Shall we? Shall we all? God, upset us. Amen. <laughs> why be upset? Why would you want to live your life upside down? Like, who wants to do that? Why would you want your life disturbed? Why would you want it different than the way that you're living it right now? Well, you all know that I love definitions, and I want to give you the definition for upset uh, so that you have a context for it. We're going to be working with the second one. Uh, but it means, by definition, to overturn, to destroy the power of, to overthrow, uh, to defeat or to vanquish. This second one is really what we're going to be uh, dealing with, to disturb or derange completely. <laughs> To put out of order, throw into disorder. Then it gives these examples to upset a system, to upset a mechanism, to upset an apartment. The third one, to defeat or overthrow an opponent that is considered more formidable as in war, politics or sports. We'll get to that. But the second one, to disturb or derange completely, to put out of order, throw into this disorder. Why be upset? Who would want this to happen to their life? Well, at least 350 in this room have somehow made a commitment to have their lives turned upside down. That the way that you were living it before coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ, there was a revelation that came to you that this is not the way that I should be living my life. And through scripture and through an understanding of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have found out what so many others have found out to the tune of two billion people that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, that uh, my life should not be lived the way I want it. It should be lived the way he wants me to live it. Which throws the way you've been living your whole life into chaos and disorder. Anybody besides me, when they found out about a relationship with Jesus, it meant changing some lifestyle, <laughs> choices, habits, places, people. It completely changes it upside down. And, and listen, um, I, I know that th there would be a lot of people that say, I really don't want that. If it means I have to change a thing, I'm not really into that type of of relationship. But I want to give you uh, what I believe are my three top reasons why you should be upset, why you should give permission to God to come in and turn your life upside down. You guys ready? All right, point number one, write this down. God loves you. God loves you. Here's what it says in John 3, 16, which I think everybody knows. But I'm still going to say it anyway. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. My main reason why I believe that you should have your life upset, why you should give permission to God to upset your life is because he is madly in love with you. Now, that might seem basic. No, duh, Tim, I know. Uh, but, but this is something that has to be at the forefront of your mind, because if you don't know that God loves you, the way that you will live your life or attempt to live your life for him will be done for all the wrong reasons. If you don't know it from a standpoint of love, then you'll know it from a standpoint of fear. And you'll live your life going, I have to do what God says or else he'll strike me down. But God is a God of love. And he loved us in a way that was so profound that it should cause us to be upset. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter number one. The book of Ephesians chapter number one, verses four and five say this. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Let me just stop right there. That should make like 25 people have a party. Even before he made the world, I want you to think about that. Before he said, let there be light, he loved you. Before he called out a creature, he loved you. Before he said cockroach or pterodactyl, he had you on his mind. And before you did anything that would disqualify you from a relationship with him, he was already in love with you. That's good news. So it says he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This was not against his will. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now I want you to go to the book of Romans, chapter number eight. The book of Romans, chapter number eight. Because when you read something like, God decided to do something in advance. Uh, there's a lot of people that get uh, stuck up, and this has been a sticky uh, situation in the church for years. Uh, but when you talk about God's uh, doing something in advance, uh, people get stuck on predestination. And, and God, uh, God decided to do this, and so I really don't have a choice in the matter. The, the people that are going to be saved uh, are going to be saved, and there's nothing that uh, we can do about it. And the people that are not going to be saved, are not going to be saved. And, and God fixed it like this. So, so the people that are in here right now, he wanted you in. And, and the people that are not in a relationship with, it, with him, he decided long ago, I don't want you in. Before you had a choice to say anything about it, I just don't even want you in. I don't like you for some reason. You look funny. You dress funny. So, so I don't want a relationship with you. And this couldn't be further from the truth. This could not be further from the truth. Because what happens is people get fixed on the word predestination and forget about God's foreknowledge. His foreknowledge became came before his predestination. So I want to read you the clearest 
most concise, comprehensive three scriptures that can give you a context to what this is. And it's Romans chapter number eight, starting at the 28th verse. Many of you all know uh, uh, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Many of you all know it in King James for all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I read everything in NLT. I have it all memorized in King James. King James, get out of my head. Here's what it says in verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. Hello. That's not predestination. That's foreknowledge. God knew his people in advance. Okay. He knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Here's how King James said, for those that he did foreknow, he did predestinate and those he predestinated, he called and those he called, he justified and those he justified, he glorified. I love King James. Makes everything sound just a little bit more elegant, eloquent, and smarter. But, but, but here, here, here's the good news. Uh, God wasn't trying to rig something in a way that kept some people out and kept some people in. Let's not forget the sovereignty of God. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Uh, let me say it another way that maybe you understand in, in, in 2017's culture. It's called a spoiler alert. <laughs> Any, anybody ever gone to see a movie with a person who already saw the movie? <laughs> and that person that already saw the movie can't help but to tell you <laughs> that they already saw the movie and they say something that gives away the ending? And you're like, I hate you. <laughs> Why did I even come with you? Spoiler alert. The person already saw the movie. And so they know the ending. Now, there's nothing you can do once they tell you the ending to make it different. Yoda won't die. In Jesus name, Yoda will live and declare the goodness of stop. Don't be that spiritual watching Star Wars, okay? The person didn't fix the ending. They knew it. That's foreknowledge. Predestination is I'm going to make sure this happens and there's nothing you can do about it. Foreknowledge is I kind of know everything anyway. So I already know the people whose heart will be soft enough to even come into a relationship with Jesus. Those people, since I already know those people, I'm going to predestine it so 
they have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And, and because I predestined, I'm calling them. And because I'm calling them, I'm going to sanctify them. Because I'm sanctifying them, I'm going to glorify them. And at the end, they're going to be right back here with me. That's not God rigging souls. I want a few people in and I want a bunch of people out because I'm just, I'm just, I'm just God. I couldn't do that with my kids. Now, I have foreknowledge on my kids just based on their personality. If you came to me and said, hey, one of your kids was outside and they did this, this and this, I'd be like, that's Nathan. <laughs> I've, just, I've just spent enough time with my kids to know their behavioral traits. I know which one is predisposed, predisposed, thank you, <laughs> so excited predisposed to do what thing? I know that Nathan is risk adverse. So if somebody said there's a child jumping off the roof of my car. That's Noah. Because Nathan would be like, that's high, that hurts. No. <laughs> he takes after his daddy. Okay. Noah is the bravest person on the planet. He just walked uh, across, you know, look both ways before you cross the street. Here's Noah. He goes into the street. There are no cars, Daddy. There are no cars. <laughs> Stop. Stop. I know my kids. I, 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 I can pretty much tell you which one is going to do what. And, and I'm just a natural daddy. So. I, I'm pretty sure God's big enough to kind of know everything and kind of set the world based on what he already knew. If we, if we go down the discussion that, that he doesn't know, then, then it's not out of love. It's out of something else. It's some weird game he's playing that I don't want to be a part of. So why be upset? Because he's in love with you. And he went through great lengths to prove it. So that's point one. Point number two, write this down. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Now, if you're in Romans still, just flip back a couple of chapters to uh, chapter number five. And here's what it says in verses six through eight. When we were utterly hopeless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Before you even had him on your mind, Christ sent his son to die. Get this, because this is, this, is, this is the most upsetting thing to me. This is what turned my life upside down. Off of a maybe. I'm going to send my son to the cross because perhaps you're heal, you'll heal about the gospel and perhaps you'll give your life to Jesus Christ. It's worth me letting my son bleed out on a cross off of a maybe. 
that? <laughs> I won't come eat lunch with you if you told me maybe you'd show up. I wouldn't even set a lunch date with you. Hey, I would like to be with you on Tuesday. Uh, uh, can we have lunch on Tuesday? Yeah, set it. Uh, Cheesecake Factory. All right, cool. What time are you going to be there? I don't know. I might be there at some point during the day. I'm not coming. So I couldn't have been Jesus. Because if I was Jesus, you would have to serve me. There would be no maybe if you get over your agnosticism or your atheism or all the questions you have, your church hurt. I would haunt you. You would wake up every morning. I'd be right there. Like, you love me today? Do you love me today? See this hole? See this hole? See this hole? See this? I would just stalk you until you would be like, okay, Jesus. Can you imagine how loving he is that he would bleed out up there off of a maybe? That should upset somebody beside me. It's funny when I was reading this earlier. Please don't judge me. That's my, that's my disclaimer before I read you this. When it, says, when it says that now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. I found these lyrics. Just listen to just just listen to the lyrics. It just sounds like somebody was on to something. He was a little off, but it sounds like he was on to something. The, the lyrics say, I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. I am something that you'll never understand. <laughs> it goes on to say, I'll never beat you. I'll never lie. And if you're evil, I'll forgive you by and by. <laughs> You, I would die for you, <laughs> darling, if you want me to, you, I would die for you. It goes on to say, I'm not your lover, I'm not your friend, I am something that you never comprehend. No need to worry, no need to cry, I can't even do this as a joke, I'm your messiah, and you're the reason why, cause you, I would die for you. Darling, if you want me to, you, I would die for you. Then it says this, you're just a sinner, I am told. Be your fire when you're cold. Make you happy when you're sad. Make you good when you are bad. I'm not a human. I'm not, a, I am a dove, I am your conscience, I am love, all I, read to, all I really need to know is that you believe, and it goes on to say, you, I would die for you. Okay. If you're a visitor, I have just given you all you need to know about this church. If this is your last time, I completely understand why. Meet me in the foyer, tell me I hate you, you're sacrilegious, you read Prince lyrics in, in the church, you and everybody in here going to hell, whatever, fine, I get it, okay? But I, want you, I just want you to think about something. Shout out to Sarah Miller on these lyrics. I, want you to just, I just want you to think about something. Prince wrote this. 
Like, like, honestly, I'm a lyricist. I, I listen to words. I don't just listen to, I don't listen to music first. I listen to the words first. Like, this is almost a praise and worship song. Now, don't get scared. We're not going to sing this. <laughs> I don't want anybody next weekend, like. <laughs> yeah, they, they went to another level in that worship. I'm not doing that. I, I, I just... I just want you to think about this, though. This dude wrote some lyrics trying to give a girl an indication that this is how much I'm into you. I, I would die for you. Darling, if you want me to. Let me tell you the good news about this book. Jesus didn't wait to see if you wanted him to. The good news of the gospel is, before you even knew to ask the question, Christ decided to die for your sins. I'm telling you, it is the most upsetting thing that's ever happened in all of human history. Why should you be upset? Because Jesus died for you. And he meant to do it. Point number three, write this down. Y'all getting anything out of this? Good. Point number three, God has plans for you. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you two of the most powerful scriptures, one in the Old, Old Testament, one in the New, uh, that proves that he has plans for you. Um, one is in Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of you all would know this. And even though you know it, I still like to read it because the power of the word really comes to life when you know the address. When you know that not somewhere in the Bible it says that God loves me and has a plan for my life. Okay, the, the, the scripture is what you want to stand on because when the enemy comes against you and he is ready to try to overthrow you, you need the scripture, you need the address so you can understand what's going on. Here's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God loves you. Jesus died for you uh, because he has plans for you. Why should you be upset? Because he actually has plans for you. There's something he wants to do with your life. Go, go to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorites. Ephesians 2.10, here's what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. Can I stop right there? How many of you all believe that? that you're a masterpiece. I, I didn't expect to get 100% hands raised, and I understand why. That's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, because you know you. <laughs> you kind of live with yourself. You know the saying, everywhere you go, there you are? <laughs> you know you. And so sometimes we, we can be in a season of our life where it's hard to us to even embrace the things that he says about us, but, but I, I'm here to let you know, you're a masterpiece. 
And it's not my opinion, though scripture said that we are his masterpiece. Created anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things he had planned for us long ago. How, how, how far ago? A long, long time ago. He, he planned this. Do you know that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you, when you allow him to come into your life and turn your life upside down, when you decide to be upset by God's love and Jesus' death, here's what happened. He goes, yes! Yes, yes, yes. All the angels high-fiving. Yes, yes, yes. It's about to go down. It's about to go down. What's about to go down? Oh, oh you have no idea. Tim just gave his life to Jesus. Tim gave his life to Jesus? Tim! Tim gave, Tim gave his life to Jesus. Tim gave his life to Jesus. Yep, that dude down there? Yes! The dude that got molested when he was eight? That guy just gave his life to Jesus, had his whole world upset. The, the guy that was a porn addict? Yes! That dude just gave his life to Jesus. Oh, it's going dead. We got plans. You got plans? For the molested porn addict? Yeah. Got plans for him. You got plans for people that were involved in alcoholism and substance abuse and used to get high every day? Yes. Got plans for them. You got plans for people that were bitter, angry, held grudges, just mad for no reason every day? Yes. I got plans for everybody. It's just a matter of if they're going to be upset or not. Because they don't have to stay like that. What plans do you have with Tim? Let's see. Uh, well, his, he talks a lot. And <laughs> talks a lot. I have a report card from kindergarten. My mother can vouch for this. A, point, a report card from kindergarten. Timmy is nice, but he doesn't. Like he won't stay in his seat. After he finishes his work, he gets up and he tries to help the whole class <laughs> with their work. And he's really not even done with his work. <laughs> I just, five years old, self-appointed myself to be a teacher's aide. <laughs> Write my name on the top of the page. I'm like, hey, you guys, do, hey, Robert, you're good? Good? <laughs> a, B, C, yeah, you're doing good, buddy, yeah. Sharon, you all right? Two plus two is four, all right. Tim, will you please sit down? I'm just trying to help, I don't see, see what the big deal is. Okay, so he talks a lot, uh, he's really loud. Um, he won't calm down. He can't talk without all this animation. What, what, should, what should we do with a guy like that? Let's make him a preacher. It's hilarious. But he wants to be a cop. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be a cop. That's the plans he made for himself. My plans are way better than his plans. Now, if he really wants to do his own thing, I mean, I let him because I'm, I'm, you know, I don't interfere. But, but I kind of know the guy's heart, kind of foreknow it. So, so let's, just, let's just fix it that he has an encounter with me at this time. He'll become a preacher, and then we'll just see what happens after that. He has a plan for all of us. He has a plan for surfers and librarians and IT nerds and video game guys like me and people that are neurosurgeons. He has plans for everybody in this room. Listen, the plans that he has for us 
are so profound to touch so many strategic people. Most people think that, that, that God is not really using them unless they're preaching. That is the, like, no, that can't be it. Jesus didn't die to upset the whole world so that everybody could be in the pulpit preaching. Because there's more people in the marketplace than they'll ever be in the church. So he's planned for us to strategically be used in the place of our expertise, the place of our passion to reach people for his name. So why be upset? Because he loves you. That, that should be very upsetting. That, that God loves you. I'll tell you in my own personal life uh, who I got to upset that way. And that was my wife, Juliet. I told my wife, well, let me give you the real quick synopsis. I laid eyes on her in February of 1998. I said hi to her in April of 98. I told her I liked her in May of 98. I told her I was in love with her in, in June of 98. That's pretty fast. Uh, when I told her I was in love with her, she started laughing in my face. Like, no joke. I'm like pouring out my heart. I had wrote this card, put all these mushy words in it, and I handed it to her before church. That way she could worship, <laughs> meditate on the scriptures, and read this love letter. It was on Father's Day. I'll never forget it. And uh, after the service, I walked up to her and, hey, did you read the card? She was like, yeah. She was like, but I want you to read it. And I was like, Ain't nobody scared of you. <laughs> so I started reading the card, and then this was, take notes, gentlemen. I put the card behind my back and said, girl, I don't need to read what's on this card, because it's already written on my heart. And I read the rest of those words on the, uh, from memory, and at the end, it ended with me saying, Juliet, I, Timothy Charles Ross, am in love with you. Her response, <laughs> you got to have a lot of self-esteem to be that vulnerable and then get laughed at. Other side of the story that she could tell way better than me is that uh, that night while going home, uh, she was like, I'm not in love with that guy. This is Ridiculous. And she told me, I'm not in love with you. You're nice. You're a nice guy. Uh, like, if you died, <laughs> not lying, if you died, uh, like, I'd cry. <laughs> but, like, I'm not in love with you. Like, I've never been in love with anybody, I'm not, so I'm not in love with you. And uh, I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't tell you this for you to be in love with me. I told you this so you would know. So when she goes home, she's driving home. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit told her, hey, you're in love with him. And she was like, no, I'm not. And he said, no, yes, you are. And she was like, no, I'm not. And he said like three or four more times, no, you, you're really in love with him. And the last time she was like, okay, I am. Upset. Upside down. Love was expressed. 
upside down, literally overturned even an emotion that she was having. And again, this is natural. <laughs> so imagine the spiritual dynamic when you really realize that someone is so in love with me that before I could even express it to them, they communicated it to me. God loves you. Jesus died for you. I don't need to exhaust that point. It's the reason why we're all here. And he has plans for us. If you get this, you will literally upset the world. You'll just do it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?